everyone. Thanks for checking out the Venture Church podcast. Venture is a life-giving church located in Bluffton, South Carolina, led by Pastor Sean Olson. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this word encourages you and inspires you. Now, let's jump in with Pastor Sean as he continues in our Dream Again series. My name is Sean Olson. I get to be the lead pastor of Venture. Man, I am, I'm so excited that you're here this morning. Uh, We've now done this three times. We still don't know what we're doing, but here we are every week. Uh, Man, we love, we love what we do. We love that you are here. Um, I love this dream. I mean, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about dream again. And it's interesting because this dream came alive 18 months ago in a, in a small group of people's heart, and here it is, but really the dream is about you dreaming again. Uh, at the heart of it, it was never so we could you know, have another church, it was so we could connect to people and breathe life. I mean, our goal is to be life-giving for you. Some of the greatest compliments we have is as people leave, man, like, I feel like I can go get the week. That's good. That's what we want. We want you to feel energized, and last week we talked about, man, if we're gonna dream again, We've got to learn to be dependent on him. And I kind of ended with you are the dream, and that's where I'm going to pick up this week. And if you, if you miss along the way, we are working on a podcast. We'll get it up. It'll be on our website. You can go back and catch, catch the messages and, and write down the notes or whatever. But this week, I really want to focus in on you are the dream. Uh, as I said a second ago, I have two boys, and there are a few things in life that change you like being a parent. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Like, there, there are a few moments in life that change you like being a parent, and that's in the good ways and the bad ways. How many of you said, I always or I never, and then after your parent, like, I shouldn't have said that? Mm-hmm. Come on, let's just own it for a second. Like, oh, me and Angela, I remember as we were, as we were leading up to having kids, like, oh, we're never gonna yell. Okay, <laughs> sure you're not, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you look back on that, and, and you, you, you'd watch other people parent, like, I would never. Bite your tongue. You know, we, we'd, see, we'd see parents in restaurants as we would just be out on dates, just the two of us. We don't know what that is anymore, but we would be out on dates, just the two of us, right? And th- these kids would be on like iPod, iPads and iPods, like, we would never. Now I'm like, how many do you need, son? Like, do you need an iPad and a switch and uh, have my phone, have my wallet, have it all? Just shut up. <laughs> you know, it's so true. We, we start with I would never be a parent. Changes you in so many ways. Um, I remember and will always remember the moment we drove our oldest Colin home from the hospital. You see, we had had Colin. The doctors and nurses were our backup, right? First kid. As long as we were in the hospital, we had reinforcements if necessary. Truth be told, we had no idea what to do with a kid. Like, like, oh, that's cool. He's like a kid and stuff. That's neato torpedo. But see, we, we put him in the car, and the moment we put that thing in drive and started rolling, it was on us. <laughs> Hold on, you, what you want me to do with him? And I remember driving home, and I remember my brother, Shane, who's the lead pastor of Decibel Church in Beaufort, uh, he, he called me and he said, bro, the drive home with your first kid will change you like nothing else. I'm like, what do you mean? It's just a drive home. See, there's some dads that are going, uh-huh. So we get in the car, throw the, the vehicle in drive, and I promise you, my hands are glued at 10 and 2. I mean, 10 and 2, looking straight ahead, assume the, I've never had better posture in my life. 
I mean, the veins popping out of my forearms because I had control of that vehicle. I mean, it was sore. It was a workout to drive home, right? I mean, I am there. I am checking the mirrors like I'm watching a tennis match. 10 below the speed limit felt like an extreme speed. And I'm yelling at the people that are going the speed limit. You're reckless. Don't you know I've got my son in the car? Not because I believe one day he would be a lawyer or a doctor or even the class clown, which he has assumed that responsibility. Because he's my son. You are the son or the daughter of God. You are the dream. We get fixated on what we're gonna do. We get fixated on what we're gonna have. We get fixated on the dream and we forgot that the, the starting place is whose are you? You're the son. I'll always remember that drive home and I love talking to new parents now because I'm like, hey dad, how was the drive home? He's like, I was a nervous wreck. Like, You've been driving for like at least a few years at this point. Like, what do you mean you're a nervous wreck? Like sweat pouring because something about it changed you because they're yours. In our story, we've been talking about Joseph in the Bible for a few weeks and his brothers call him the dreamer. And Joseph has these two dreams and I've read the dream each week and there's a reason because I wanna kinda settle in and talk about what's happening around the dream in a different way. So the whole story is in Genesis 37 to 45 and I encourage you, go back and read it. Uh, but Genesis 37, five through seven, this is Joseph's dream. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before me. I can't imagine why his brothers hated him. Um, but here's what I want to say about the dream today. This is so good. At this point, we need to be honest about who Joseph is, because we read the Bible, and we almost... We almost elevate the, the characters of the Bible to hero status, like Marvel hero status unattainable. So I need to bring Joseph to where he really was at this moment. Joseph was a spoiled brat. He was a spoiled brat. Daddy gave him the favoritism. Oh, here, you get the coat of many colors. Hey, here, you're gonna lead. Hey, here, and in the midst of him being a spoiled brat, God delivers a dream that he's gonna be a great leader. God's dreams over your life aren't dependent on your stage in life. You, God dreams way before we deserve it. We think we've gotta earn it. We think we've gotta become worthy of the dream and here God's dreaming over you long before you deserve it. Your stage, status, and season of life don't determine the dream in your life. Here Joseph definitely didn't deserve it. He's a spoiled, stinking brat. He has all the toys. He has everything. And it's like the God of heaven said, hey, I'm gonna give you some more. Even when the rest of the world, get this, would look at you and say, you don't deserve it. God said, that's fine. I don't dream because you deserve it. I dream because you're mine. You are the son and the daughter of God and he is dreaming over you. He is calling out the dream over you. See, in our, in our world, the word called out has this, this negative connotation, like, oh, you've been called out. I'm gonna call you out. I need to call this person out. See, but God uses called out a little differently. In this scenario, God is calling out Joseph, who's a spoiled brat, a great leader. He called out Moses, 
who was a fugitive and a murderer and couldn't speak right to lead his people. He called out Gideon, a mighty warrior. I was hiding in a hole. He called out Peter, who had to be clinically unstable and cut a dude's ear off. The rock, I'm going to build my church out, and he's calling you out. It's not about the season or stage of your life. We always look at what's going on around us and take that on as our identity and the dream we have. But Romans tells us, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Man, while we were messed up and broken, disappointed in life, some of us dejected and didn't know where we were going. God said, no, I got this and I'm speaking life and a dream over you. Not because you deserve it, because let's get real, we don't deserve it. We don't. Not because you deserve it, but because you're mine. Because you're mine. We wind up, here's the problem, we wind up looking for our validation everywhere but God. Man, you're scrolling Facebook 100 miles an hour hoping you're gonna get some validation. I got, I got news for you. You can't get real validation from a virtual friend anyway, so stop trying. Stop trying. What does that like get you? It's like having a, a ticket at Chuck E. Cheese. Congratulations, you got an eraser. You got an eraser. All that work and effort and ski ball and your arm hurts, you got an eraser. Now we're scrolling Facebook and get it, we're adding up tickets. Thinking, man, look at all my tickets, look at all my tickets. I got 100 likes. You got an eraser. You, yeah, you can have an eraser, bud. Somebody get that kid an eraser. You got an emotional eraser. That's what you got. But we feel like we have a lot of something. That's extra credit. But see, man, I look forward. When we started Venture, it wasn't about, it wasn't about all this. It wasn't about me standing on a stage or Chris and our incredible worship team playing music. See, I said last week, and I'll say it again, church isn't a place you come to. It's a community of people you belong to. And I look forward to a community of people that will speak out and call out the things of God we see in each other rather than each other's failures. Man, we've been real good at pointing out each other's flaws. Hey, you know, so-and-so over there, like, they, uh, I heard this about them, good. You know what I heard? I heard God stepped out of heaven and called him son. I heard God stepped out of heaven and called her daughter. See, I look forward to a community of people that will be, that will be life-giving. Then when you walk in this place, you don't walk away going, man, that dude could preach. Man, that worship team was good. Man, that community of people is life-giving. They loved me. They cared for me. And we start calling out the things of God we see in each other. Man, you're a godly husband and a godly father and a godly wife and a godly mother. We start calling things out. Yeah, but they don't deserve it. Yeah, you don't either. That's what makes it grace. I don't either. We've too long given people what they deserve. In our heart, man, I hope they get what they deserve. I'm glad I serve a God that dreams over me when I don't deserve it. And let's start calling out the things in each other long before they deserve it, long before they become it. Like, I don't look at my kids and dream over them where they are. I know they're gonna become great men of God. Who you become is so important. You see, when God dreams over us when we don't deserve it, it's because he's more concerned about who we will become than what we accomplish. 
We are always fixated on what we will accomplish and God is fixated on who you will become. See, insecure people will lead a conversation with what they accomplish. Secure people lead the conversation with who they are. You ever met someone and in a conversation they gave you the resume? It's like, well, that's super cool. Like, I know everything there's no about you. You've accomplished a lot of neato things. But wait till you meet somebody that's royalty. Hi, I'm the prince of. I'm the king, I'm the queen. Hi, I'm the son of God. I'm the daughter of God. Identity trumps accomplishment and God is far more concerned about who you're becoming than what you accomplish. See, God knew when he gave Joseph this dream that Joseph would become someone different. Here we are 20 years later in the story. Joseph's finally having the conversation with his brothers. He's revealed himself. His brothers have came. They've bowed. The whole dream has transpired. And here he's going to have a conversation with his brothers 20 years after the incident. By the way, side note, time out, freeze frame. All right, we're going to go over here. Next week is going to be probably the best message of this series. I don't miss it. We're gonna deal with unlocking the dream. I'm so excited about it. I've been preaching it to Angela for two weeks. Time back in. All right. I'm telling you, it's wrecked my soul. I've taken it like, it's gonna be good. So here we are. Joseph's finally walked through the process with his brothers. He's having the conversation. Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. He don't sound like a spoiled brat there. He don't sound like a spoiled brat in that place because when God dreamed over him, God knew he would become someone different. And when God's dreaming over you, he knows that he's gonna do a work in you. He knows that you have the capacity to become someone different. In fact, James says it like this. James 1, two through four. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And, and it sounds crazy to take joy in a hard time, and, and we need to recognize it doesn't mean happy. It doesn't mean false happy. I'm, I'm so tired of fake. Like, just drop it. Like, it doesn't mean like, how you doing? I'm, I'm fine. No, you're not. Your life's falling apart. It's joy, not happiness, and there's a difference. And the best way, again, if you didn't know this, I also coach CrossFit, probably where I get a little bit of my energy in from, and the best way I can, I can explain this to you is the joy you take in a hard workout. See, you're, you're laying there on the floor questioning all your life decisions. <laughs> See, those people understand CrossFit. Whoever just laughed, they, they get it. Under, like, you're questioning every decision you've ever made, Wondering at what point there's going to be enough energy in your soul to get up off the floor, and then you roll over, and your face is now laying in a puddle of sweat. You're not sure if it's yours or not, because it's a CrossFit gym, all right? And, and somewhere in there, there's joy. It's not in the suffering. It's in the fact that you just did something that moved you closer to who you want to be. It's in the satisfaction that you just did something that maybe you couldn't have done a few weeks ago, a year ago. See, there's joy in that moment, not in the suffering, but in the accomplishment. There's joy in the progress. And I think when God says, hey, take joy, it's not in the moment of suffering. It's that God's moving you closer to the person he wants you to become because he's still dreaming. He's still dreaming over you. 
He's still calling out that godly husband and father in you, but I don't feel like it. I'm glad God's dreams on my life aren't dependent on my feelings. Hello? Come on, y'all. We live too much by our feelings and not enough by the faith we have in our creator. Then we go, God, you're calling me that I'm a godly husband, but I messed it up. Yeah, but you're still my son, and I'm still molding you into who I created you to be. God, you're calling me a godly leader, but I feel so disqualified. Yeah, your gifts don't qualify you. Your identity in me qualifies you. His dreams over your life aren't dependent on your feelings, yet we live so much of our life by, by our feelings. And let me tell you, your feelings will always lead you astray. Your feelings, man, if you live life by your feelings, get ready for the roller coaster. See, but he called you son, and in my son's greatest days and lowest days, they still have the title of son. It's consistent. It's consistent. God's dreams over your life aren't built on your feelings. You need, man, you need to hear that. Because, man, I, I, I so desperately want to be a, a church of authentic people. That you come in and you can be real and, and experience love and care for in a very genuine and real way. And the only way we get there is when we realize that when you walk through the doors or you, you, you walk, come into a living room of a friend, that your feelings don't determine who you are. And man, we go through tough times. Man, I got, I got to hug the neck and pray over one of the people on our team this morning. Your feelings don't determine your identity. They don't determine your dream. He called you son, and that's the simple thing is you are the dream. There's another story in the Bible that I, I absolutely love, and, and maybe you've heard it somewhere along the way. I love the story of the prodigal son. See, the prodigal son looks at his dad, and you gotta, you gotta get this. There's some strong words here that sometimes we just gloss over. The prodigal son looks at his dad and says, hey, I want my inheritance, which is another way of saying, I wish you were dead. Like, I don't know how you'd start that conversation with your son or how you'd start that conversation with your dad. Like, hey, dad, how's it going? How was work? Hey, I wish you were dead. Like, back that train up. Like, I, I'd be like, oh, really, son? I'm glad you said that. The dad decides, hey, I'm gonna give you your inheritance. Go live the dream. The son runs out. He lives the, the, the dream. He has it all. He has the friends. But eventually the money runs out. Somebody say amen. The money runs out eventually. The money runs out, so do the friends. He hits rock bottom and the Bible says he comes to his senses. The whole story's found in Luke 15. I'm gonna read just a, a little bit of it here. When he finally came, talking about the prodigal son, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. He was willing to trade his identity as son for an opportunity. How often do we trade our identity, our who, to do something? for an opportunity. We trade our identity for an opportunity, but man, I, I've said it what feels like a 100 times, I'm gonna say it again. You are the son, the daughter of God, and the father's response here is so good. Luke 15, 
20 to 22. So he turned home to his father. And while he's still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. Can I tell you that when God sees you coming, he's not filled with judgment, he's filled with love and compassion. Somebody needs to hear that. That we, we, we imagine a God ready to beat us down because we failed. And he sees you coming a long way off and he's filled with love and compassion and he is running towards you. He ain't running away from you, he's running towards you. He ain't afraid of what you've done. What you said or where you've been, he's running towards you full of love and compassion. Man, I'm grateful God ran towards me. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. Get the, get the picture. Put yourself there. He ran towards him, embraced him, kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. The father responds, but not to the son. Get this. Yeah, 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 I, I hear everything you're saying. You're my son. I got to deal with that. I'm not even acknowledging what you've done wrong. I'm moving you forward because you're my son. So get this. But the father said to his servants, quick, speaking to the servants, not the son, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his fingers and sandals for his feet. Three things. Man, I wish I had time to teach this whole thing this morning, but I don't, I'm, I'm done. Three things he puts on his son in a specific order. And everything in the Bible is, is there intentionally. God doesn't put accidental words in play. It's intentional. So three things, the robe, the ring, and the sandals. See, in the Bible, the robe, putting back in the family, it was his identity. He said, this is my son, get me a family robe, let's put it back on. Remember, Joseph got a robe that explained the father's favor. Here the prodigal son gets the robe first. Before God puts you on mission, he puts you back in the family. Before he tells you what to do, he claims who you are. Second thing, is a ring. The ring was like a seal, like a signature of the Father. It bore authority and power. The authority and power you have in life is not what you do, it's who you are. The robe has to precede the ring because the authority is attached to the robe because it's who you are. And the last thing were the sandals. This was his marching order, this was his purpose, this was his job. See, we get it wrong. The robe, the identity, has to precede the authority, and out of that authority, we are able to walk in our purpose. See, we, we in America, we start every conversation, hey, I'm Sean, what do you do for a living? See, we put the job first, and out of that job, somehow I get a status in life, and out of that status, that then becomes my identity. But God claimed it differently, he said, you're mine. You bear the authority of all of heaven when you walk out of this place. And out of that, I have created you on purpose and for purpose, so go do it. You're his. You're his. You are the dream. Stop trying to be something and be his. You're the dream. It's time to come home. See, God restored his identity. Just like Just like Joseph didn't deserve the dream when God gave it to him, I don't deserve the love that God gives me. Yet he gives it to me freely 
Every day I walked into this this place this morning and I said, God, I, I don't deserve this. But God called me his. That is what makes it. God is calling you this morning. If you do me a, you do me a favor and, and just bow your heads again, just to block out distractions. Now, I'm not into religion, but I'm certainly into a real relationship with a real God. And, and I, I'm not asking you to bow your head out of a religious symbol just to block out some distractions in your life. You you came in this morning hoping to have maybe a a good church service. Maybe you're here because someone asked you to be here. It comes back to the song we sang. You, You are the son, the daughter of God. And he made a way for you even when you didn't deserve it. The scripture, we, the scripture we read said, while we were still sinners, while we were still mistakes and mess ups and broken people, he gave us what we don't deserve and that was the opportunity to be back in a relationship with him because he is dreaming over us. Today, if you don't have that relationship, you're here and maybe you are living the dream. Maybe life's okay, maybe not. Maybe life is in, in a critically bad point doesn't matter which end of the spectrum you're on. It, it, it only matters whose are you. If you're here today and you're going, man, I don't have that relationship with God, and I'd certainly like to. All I want to do is pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up front. I just want to pray with you. I want the opportunity to pray with you. So if that's you, man, just do me a favor and just raise your hand and look at me so I know that I am praying with you. Thank you so much. Man, I, thank you. I see your hand. Come on, other people, I see your hand. Man, your heart's pounding right now a little bit. You're going, man, I know this is me. Yeah, I see your hand. Anybody else? I just, man, I want to pray with you this morning. Yeah. Yeah, I see your hand. If you raised your hand, thank you, I see your hand. That's incredible. If you raised your hand this morning, and maybe maybe even not, I'm going to ask all my friends in, in, in Jesus and those that raise their hand to repeat this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me when I didn't deserve it. Thank you for providing a way for me to be in relationship with you. Thank you for dreaming over me. Today I accept you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, take a second and share it with your friends. Here at Venture, we believe in the power of being connected with a local church body. So whether that's here at Venture or another local church near you, we encourage you to get plugged in. We hope you have an amazing week. And thanks again for listening to the Venture Church Podcast.